Welcome to the Future Print Podcast, celebrating print technology and the people behind it. Well, hi there. Welcome to this week's EcoPrint Podcast. And I'm very pleased to have with me someone who I've known quite a long time, who's a real specialist in this subject. Uh, if I was trying to name one person that I thought knew more than anyone else about sustainability in the print world, it would probably be Laurel Brunner. Laurel, hi, welcome to you. Hello, Fraser. Nice <laughs> um, and now you're going to prove me wrong <laughs> or prove me right or whatever. But um, I just, uh, Laurel, for anyone who doesn't know you, just give us a little bit of background to who you are, what you've been doing. Why would I say what I said about you knowing so much? So, <laughs> um, my, tell my, tell my, us, tell the audience. Okay, my my background is as a journalist. Um, for the last, well, probably 40 years, I've been involved in the graphics industry, primarily, well, entirely in, on the digital side of things. Um, I wrote a lot for the trade press all over the world. I do a lot of consulting, I speak at events. All my life, I've been interested in the environment. And mm. a few years ago, we set up a project to try and raise awareness of environmental concerns in the graphics industry. Mm-hmm. And that project called the Verdigree Project is um, uh, is supported by industry sponsorship, basically. And it, it works by we just write, write articles on a regular mm. basis and we share them worldwide with a network of publishing partners so they get translated into lots of languages. Mm. Um, and the idea when we started in 2008, would be that the Verdigree project would drive more awareness and more interest in sustainability. Um, It sort of has, I guess. I don't know. It's hard to to tell. Um, Mm -hmm. These days, I get an awful lot more emails than I used to. So I think there is a rising awareness of sustainability. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so that's that's the Verdigree project. I also sit on the... um, the International Standards Organization's Committee for the Graphics Industry, which is printing and publishing. Mm-hmm. I was co-opted a few years ago by the BSI mm-hmm. to join the Mirror Committee of that organize of the ISO Committee mm-hmm. as someone who knows more about digital printing and digital yeah. free press technologies than the rest of the people in the group did at the yeah. time. That's yeah. now changed because that was a long time ago. As part of that work, I was able to set up a working group that looks at the environmental impact of print. And over the years, we've published a number of standards. Uh, probably the one that's most widely known is the, there's a, it's called, it's number 16759. And it's basically a carbon calculator. It's how to calculate the carbon footprint of a print run. Mm-hmm. But we've also worked on other standards, such as working out what the energy consumption is of mm-hmm. a digital press and of a wide format digital press that has lots of stops and starts. We've also published in December, ISO published in December, a document that deals with how you what you should communicate about your environmental uh, aspects and impacts so that when you go for an eco-label, for example, say, say the Nordic Swan or the Blue Angel, mm-hmm. the information that they've got is more accurate and a better reflection of the way the printing industry has is progressing in terms mm-hmm. of its environmental sustainability. Mm-hmm. so that's that's me so just thinking a little bit about this um i want to ask you in a moment um because you worked quite closely with us when we first launched ecoprint but i i just want to ask the question that's 
I guess, puzzling me when I look at sustainability uh, as, a, as a whole. What, why is it so difficult for people to get their heads around it? And why is it that it's quite easy to sort of sort of back to the, you know, bat away a little bit and say, yeah, I know I've got to do something, but I'm not quite sure what to do. And therefore, I'm going to just sit on the side and wait. Why, why is that? Why is it that we can't, we can see, you know, more than ever last year, maybe the year before, we're kind of seeing things that are really dramatic, flooding, uh, you know, damage to, to to forests. We're seeing, you know, we're seeing dramatic increases in problems that we know are making a massive difference. Why is it we still struggle with sustainability? Um, well, <laughs> that's a, an interesting question, but there is no simple answer. I think mm. the, the problem is enormous. Mm. And if we try, we, we have to look at it from several different points of view. Mm people's behavior has to change mm. that's not just within the graphics and yeah. printing industries yeah. it's it's everywhere people's behavior has changed to some extent we're all mm. aware that we shouldn't throw plastic into the sea and that mm. we should manage our waste mm. but people don't think for example about minimizing food waste that's one mm. of the biggest sustainability problems that we've got mm. so you look at, look at the average household fridge or company fridge the canteens or whatever look mm. at the volume of food that, get, that gets mm. thrown away mm. in order to change that we have to change our behavior and nobody mm. really wants to do that so and the other problem is that, that the whole sustainability picture is all about supply chains and value chains so mm. it involves everybody yeah. it's a hard problem to solve there is not ever going to be a simple one-page answer yeah. Yeah, to yeah. Solving the problem. I, I ask that because um the challenge always is this sort of where do we start where do we go with this i think the point you made two points you made which i'd I'd like to pick up on this one is behavioral change change and clearly there's a challenge to change people's behavior isn't it you know we, we like to do things as we've always done them we don't like to have to change if we can avoid it Certain things have come along. Yeah, I'll give you example, smoking, you know, and, and in the 60s, every you know, 90% of the people smoked. And and then these reports started to come out that it was heart disease and cancer and these sort of things. But people were still resistant to changing their behavior. It was only when it started to really become, you know, driven by government, uh, driven by health, you know, bodies, that things, people started to shift their behavior. And I'm always wondering whether with something like sustainability, and getting people to change, do, do we need one, do we need to be sort of, is it carrot and stick? Is it kind of like, do we have to be hit over the head a little bit with this? Or can we just gradually do it? What do you, what do you sense? I think it's a, it's a generational thing, mm-hmm. probably. I don't know. But in, you use smoking as an example, but you didn't mention tax. Mm-hmm. The fact that, that cigarettes, I don't know how much yeah. a packet of cigarettes no, right. costs now, but but... You might as well set fire to a ten pound note. Yeah, and cost who, comes into it, doesn't it? Who so, wants to do that? Yeah, yeah and with sustainability, great. in our industry, we have the choice to either manage ourselves, which is what the ISO standards are all about. They're all about changing behaviour yeah. and encouraging best practice, not yeah. just the environmental stuff, but all of the work that we do within TC one thirty is all about making a printing business more efficient and. Okay. and um, more accountable in terms of its waste and uh, 
you know, the the whole the whole idea of the cost of an error in the graphics industry, it gets higher and higher the closer you get to press. So mm. it's important to fix errors early on. That's where mm. pre-flight mm. checking comes in. That's mm. where color management comes in. Mm. All of that stuff helps to make our industry more efficient. Yeah. I mean, years ago, decades ago now, I suppose, it was it was still rare, but the cost of having to remake a, a, a run of magazines because there was a mistake in it was mm. colossal. Yeah. People did that, though. Nowadays, that yeah. doesn't happen nearly so often. So it was a make-or-break so, issue, wasn't it? It was a, it was a financially make-or-break issue. Yeah, right? and everything everything in our industry that has driven improvements in terms of environmental sustainability has been economic. Yeah, of course. Um, when, when with the advent of desktop publishing and integrated text and graphics on, on in page layout mm. came about mm. that threatened the typesetting community that threatened all of the people who made color separations they are they went out of business mm. or they retrained and okay. they, they learned about the digital aspect of things the same thing will happen with sustainability i think yeah, yeah. so let's just hold that thought and i think i think that makes an awful lot of sense so um i think what you're saying is that cost is a massive driver it's one of them it's not the only one but it's a massive driver isn't it potentially Mm -hmm. and it's the governments might choose to impose taxes on uh on businesses you know to to shift their behavior but the reality is it's unlikely because governments don't want to be unpopular in that sort of way so what I think you're saying is that it's about efficiencies, isn't it? It's about the other way around. It's about actually sustainability represents potentially cost efficiencies. Have I got that? Yeah, yeah. That's entirely yeah. what what will drive sustainability. If you, if you can improve your production yep. so that it's cheaper, so that you Less have waste. happier customers, et cetera, et cetera, <laughs> Yeah. You are you are managing the energy you use, yeah. for example. You're managing your press capacity. You're doing all of the things that help make your business more efficient. But yeah. it takes more than that because it needs. We need to have um, best practices within the supply chain. We need to have awareness within the supply chain, mm-hmm. and we need to ha- we need people to to especially printers and their customers to accept that there is no simple answer. So. Taking on your thoughts there, which I think completely make sense. Um, so really what we're saying is, look, it's, yeah, that governments might choose to do things, but actually this is about cost efficiency. It's about sustainable business. And do you sense this also, this sort of, what they term the triple bottom line idea, that it's about it's about people, it's about planet, and it's about profit. It's about all those things. This is sort of sustainable capitalism, if that makes sense. Do you sense that needs to come through more? To, yeah, to I shift think people, people behavior. People, the, the sort of the the, the UN and uh, ISO and various other um, many other standards and um, environmental bodies recognize that sustainability is based on three things: environmental sustainability, so, commercial sustainability, and societal yeah, su- yeah. sustainability. Yeah, yeah. We're working on a document. It doesn't have a number yet, but it, it, <laughs> it's bound to, though, isn't it? <laughs> it will do eventually. Well, if it gets approved by the group. But we're working on this document about assess, assessing yep. your environmental sustainability. Mm. And in a way, we, we've talked an awful lot about well, should it just be environmental sustainability in this document or should it be societal and commercial? The environmental sustainability drives the other two. Mm. So these things are uh, uh, commercially is direct. Societal is an indirect benefit mm. of of more accountability in terms of sustainability. Yeah. Um, 
so I believe very strongly that if you if you want to be sustainable, you have to keep those three things in mind. Mm. And the easiest one for most small businesses, which is what printing companies generally are, mm. is the commercial sustainability. How yeah. do we make sure that we can compete with all these other organizations that are going for the same customers who have ESG policies that their supply chains need to support? Yeah. Well, the first the first place to start is with an environmental management system. Yeah. Um, which is ISO 14001. There, you can make your own up, but the easiest one is to use is one that's proven, Certain, yeah. which is 14001. Um, and then you, you're making a start. But the first, the most important thing isn't what tools you use or what methodology you use. The most important thing is commitment and yeah. commitment to taking this seriously and recognizing, <clears throat> excuse me, that it requires investment and it requires. Uh, buy-in yeah. for all stakeholders in the business and it's yeah. not just a kind of one-off project it needs to be a cult cultural within the within the dna if you like of the business you have to be thinking sustainably yeah, yeah. i'm just making notes of this because i think it's, it's actually it, very very clear but i think actually this is the question a lot of people ask isn't it it's where do i start, where do I start? well I, I would say with with that commitment yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, with and uh, you have you have a discussion at, at shareholder or board level to say how far are we going to go with this? What yeah. is our objective? Yeah. And if our objective is is mere survival, that's fine. But our objective should be to attract a broader range of customers to our yeah. services, um, to improve our turnover by X percent, to cut our energy mm. usage by twenty percent, or mm. whatever. You know, mm, you can mm. come up with all sorts of goals, and that's partly why fourteen thousand and one is quite useful because it explains to you what to do and how to do it, mm, or mm. not how to do it, but it gives you a mechanism for doing it. Why do you think people are more not more aware of it? Um, because people are lazy. <laughs> really, I mean, yeah. somebody asked me once. I'm <laughs> I'm sixty six years old, and somebody asked me once how it is that I still think in such a young way. And I didn't know I did think in a young way, but mm. the only thing I could think of to answer was that I'm curious, mm. endlessly curious, mm. very, very low boredom threshold. And cu curiosity about this sustainability would encourage more people to find ISO 14001. I mean, it's on it's on plumbers' vans, for heaven's sake, mm. like 9001. Mm. It's, I don't know why they don't know about it unless yeah. they, they can't be bothered. Yeah, I just I'm, I'm just wondering because I, I'm sure that if we if we sat in front of thirty printers, small printers, small to medium sized printers in the UK, and asked them what what where they would go to find a basic, you know, kind of a model to follow, mm. they wouldn't necessarily know. I I so fourteen thousand and one was the obvious choice, or even there. So it's just you know, it's, and I always wonder why why that is. What you know, we've talked about this before that there isn't a sense that there's one print body that's saying do this or here's here's a possible option, and that that feels that it's like we're slightly ignored as an industry, or well, not ignored as an industry, but we haven't really got our act together as an industry in some no. unified well way. But that comes down to industry associations. Yeah. And industry associations are the ones who should take some sort of a leadership position. Um, and I don't I, I don't know why they don't. Again, it comes back to that thing of, of it's hard. Where do you yeah. start? Mm. And what do you commit to? 
do you do you endorse fourteen thousand and one? Mm. Probably not, unless you understand how it works, and yeah. that means you have to read the, the thing. And that, <laughs> yes. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about, can you imagine? You imagine yeah. the, the the people responsible for industry associations? I mean, in Germany, they're very very active with Fogra. Fogra mm. is tremendously mm. active. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, Intergraph is doing some things as well. Yeah, there are a number yeah. of organisations, and I'd imagine in the UK, IPIA are probably looking at stuff. I'm not sure if there's any transnational or international organisation that's doing anything, but I, I, yeah, this is the problem. I think that it's there isn't any sense that we know where to go to find that. Obvious no, and, path. and and the other the other difficulty is that this this industry is is enormous and it's yeah. extremely complex. Yeah, and disparate. and it's at the same time universal but very local. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, for somebody doing. I don't know, basic sign work in Brighton yeah. or Crawley or wherever, why would they think that they should try and get an environmental standard when their customers aren't pushing for it? Yeah. And that's been that's been the case for many, many years. Again, yeah. it comes back to the commercial driver. Now, on that, you've led me nicely to sort of the next area of interest for me. So on the basis that there isn't a single industry body that makes it easy for us to know where to go, the other the other thing that's really quite important sustainability around the industry that we're in, the print industry, which it's 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 kind of customer base, not only, but its customer base is often the brands, the retailers, the kind of uh the marketing focused businesses. Now they are much clearer. The big bad brands, they're much clearer about a strategic approach to sustainability. Do you think that's the driver here? Do you think they will be the driver? Yeah, it will be a part of it. One mm. one of the things that um any company that has made a any sort of an ESG declaration or who wants to be more sustainable, they're measuring their scope one and two and three emissions. Yeah. They can measure their scope one and their scope two, but they have a really hard time with scope three because those are the ones in the supply chain. Mm. If if a service provider can provide them with their own scope one and two emissions, that brand owner has scope three emissions. You yeah. see what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. why I said earlier, it's a supply chain uh, problem. It's not something that, that is confined within yeah. the boundaries of a single company. Yeah, but you know, we obviously with the Ecoprint Summit in in Switzerland, we, we're we're pulling together a program which is there's a lot of brands on the program because they have clear strategic approaches to you know supermarkets or to retail or to brand products, and I guess that what we're trying to say is, and and, and actually, I'm interested also in why they've been so why they're so committed to sustainability i guess because they have customers consumers and they think those customers and consumers are getting it and mm-hmm. do want it and they think that that the, the point you made a little bit earlier about age is interesting because actually we know if we we're talking to 20 year olds or teenagers that they are much more committed to a sustainable world and environment and yeah and that is probably if a brand is looking at their 30-year plan, they are thinking right now, we need to change our behavior because otherwise our consumers are just going to go elsewhere. So do, do you, does it is that the is that the sort of well yeah, because they, they they don't want to be accused of of dumping plastic in the sea or mm-hmm. um producing waste that doesn't end up being recycled or reclaimed or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Um they're very sensitive to it because they, it's a very competitive 
world, the yeah. world of the, the, the big brands inhabit. Mm. Um, and I'm, you know, the, 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 I said earlier that these things might be a generational problem, and younger younger people are far more plugged into the idea of sustainability. I'm not sure how willing they are to change their behaviour though, mm. because they they love the convenience of of an always on mm. on demand world. Mm. Mm. So uh, silly things like constantly checking your phone and your social media. Yeah. Do they ever think about the amount of energy it takes to support all of that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Probably not. No. No. Well, that's a fair comment. Taking you back now to 2012 when we first ran EcoPrint, and you were very much involved with that first one we ran in Berlin. Um, that's 10 years ago now, 2012 to 2023 now. 11 years mm. what's happened what's changed between um 2012 and now in terms of the print industry what what do you sense has changed i think i think that that, that was a really great initiative but i think we, like with my third degree project we were too soon yeah we all we all assumed that people would understand and respond to the to the whole message mm. what's changed now is that there is much higher awareness of the importance of sustainability. Mm. There's much higher awareness of the damage that's being done to the planet. Mm. There's also way, way more people involved in this space. Mm. There's an entire, if you will, ecosystem. ecosystem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's an entire ecosystem <laughs> of companies that, you know, they're offering certifications, they're yeah. offering labels, they're mm. offering consulting advice, the whole nine yards. And mm. and the, the, the that is creating an an, an new driver for awareness there's all these different service providers offering services to help you become more sustainable mm. to help improve your green messaging or whatever um finding your way through through it all and understanding what's just opportunism and what's not is quite is quite hard mm. so but at least there are lots of lots of resources for people to tap into and there's also lots of opportunities to reshape businesses. So, for example, a printing company that wants to be more sustainable can actually gain a competitive advantage if they if they do it properly and sincerely. It comes back to that commitment. What are you committing to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think that, that's valid what you said there about commitment. I think that makes an awful lot of sense. Awful lot of sense. Um, just as we kind of come to... In the end of our podcast, I wonder whether there's anything that you're seeing, uh, any particular sustainable strategies or products or services that you that particularly excite you, that you think actually that's there's a couple of things I really like the look of, and I think they're really interesting. Either approaches to sustainable business or products, or what do you is, is there anything you kind of would point to? Well, no, because it's it's too diverse, our industry. Mm. There's lots of interesting things going on in lots of interesting sectors, but I don't see any – nothing really stands out because mm. I see so many things, I guess. Mm. So you can't there's say lot of that I like. I mean, there's a lot of talk about materials, obviously. There's a lot of talk about what is a true – Yeah, I, I, I said a few years ago that a lot of the the most exciting stuff that's going on in our industry is no longer – what we can do with software it's mm. it's all about materials mm. so what people like sun chemical and flint group are doing mm. really really interesting stuff i'm also i also really like to see the cooperations between manufacturers of printing devices mm. machines Technology. and and the materials people yeah. so 
the work that's being done to improve digital printing presses, for example, mm. depends mm. very much on on material science. So that's mm. very exciting. But I'm not a chemist, and I'm not a substrate person. No. All I all I can look at is is all look at is the the digital prepress part that drives that. Mm. And so, for example, things like ICC profiles and how you how you profile substrates, how you pro- profile the combination of the ink, the substrate, and the printing method, all that sort of stuff. Mm. Is very exciting, and that does lead to more sustainability because mm. these materials are designed to be more um, recyclable. So, for example, the, a lot of work's being done to replace laminates mm. with paper-based laminates. Mm-hmm. Um, or PVC. And, yeah, and uh, but the the trouble is that we, we don't buy goods anymore. We buy the package. Mm. You know, and those laminate packages for for rice that that you can eat immediately out of the package that lasts for six months in the package, and you think, mm. really, that's material science. It's really, really interesting. Mm. Is it good for the planet to produce so many packages of stuff that might mm. not end up being sold? Mm. I mean, every time you walk through a, an airport through the duty free, I always used to think of the amount of capital tied up in an airport duty free. Um, shopping area Hmm. now i look at it and i think oh my god the waste that Hmm. we've got Hmm. potentially in these places because they're constantly being refreshed and turned over and it's all it comes back to that driver the commercial driver the money Hmm. Hmm. until we can make it more attractive to not oversupply and not produce too many goods more goods than we need um they'll can it'll continue that to be doing that because as i say we buy the package yeah. Next time you're in a supermarket, go and look at the shampoos. There's a gazillion types of shampoo and conditioner, and they're probably all basically the same formula with a couple of little tweaks here and there. Yeah, <laughs> because you want to have something that's in a different package because the people will buy the package. Mm. Um, the same in the drinks industry. I, we've, we've worked in the past, well, on, on different types of projects, but the the turnover of drinks packaging is phenomenal because mm. they'll try one thing say, say Diageo will try try one type of packaging for a fizzy drink or a child's drink or whatever uh, that didn't sell so let's repackage it in a different package mm. so mm. all of that sort of that mentality has to shift mm. yeah but I mean again, that's that's consumerism isn't it that's yeah really and, until until we we until consumers change their expectations yeah, um, yeah. yeah it won't I've, change I Unless mean, it's too expensive to do. We we you know, we we've shifted in the last 40, 50, 60 years from being head focused on purchasing to heart focused behavioral, you know, experience and how it makes me feel and how I, you know, how it fits my my kind of beliefs. So you're right, but we've shifted to that. Are we going to shift away from that? To... I don't think so. No, I, I don't. I don't, so. I don't know how we would. I don't know how we would because we're all, sure. we're all spoiled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I, I want it now. Yeah, exactly. Here you are. <laughs> exactly. And on that note, and on that note, I, I think we'll wrap it up. Thank you very much, Laura. I really appreciate your uh, thoughts. And uh, well, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, lots of interesting things. I hope to catch up with you very soon. And um, yeah, thank you very much. Take care. Okay. Thank you, Lynn Fraser. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe now for more great audio content coming up and visit futureprints.tech for the latest news, partner interviews, 
in-depth industry research and to catch up on content from Future Print events. We'll see you next time on the Future Print Podcast.